of Yahweh again. It comes time to share your truth, knowledge, and wisdom. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. Any scripture to share to bless and honor your name, Father God. Thank you for this. And for any out there that have an ear to let them hear, to listen and be drawn to your word, Father God, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. So, morning, Holy Spirit and I were kicking around a lot of things this morning. We were having a really nice chat. Um, oh, and for those of you out there that are going to feel offended because I call prayer time and talking to the Holy Spirit a chat, well, that's kind of too bad because my Heavenly Father likes chatting with his kid. That would be me. And it's unfortunate that you look at, ah, I'm going to share some things the Holy Spirit and I were talking about and, and um, made very evident to me is that the um, piety, arrogance, and uh, self-worth of a lot of individuals because they look down on characters of others and they look down and they think that their character is so mighty. And um, it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate. Why? Because it separates them from their brother, heavenly brothers and sisters because they don't consider them a, a brother and sister here on, on earth, so they don't treat them that way. That is indeed unfortunate because our heavenly father, Abba Yahweh, says that we should. And one of the things that, that we were discussing was um, the honorifics. For those of you that may not know what an honorific is, that's like when you call somebody sir or ma'am, or um, as in Japan, when they greet certain people, they bow. And they, they call them, um, when they meet someone, it's... Um, the term that they use is like what they used to call Jesus all the time. They used to, they would greet and they would talk to him and they'd meet him. And even his disciples called him that way. They call him rabbi, which uh, is uh, an honorific that they use because it's not just like, you know, some kids when you walk, hey, teach, how's it going today? You have a, a really good rapport. You've known the same teacher for many years. And, and granted that they knew Jesus for many that walked with him for his whole walk before he was crucified, but they always called him rabbi. Rabbi is an honorific that is bestowed because it not only means teacher, but it means master. Or, you know, if you want to write it out lengthfully, it, um, you know, it, rabbi, master of the word, or master of the lesson. You know, there's a lot that goes to it, but they called him rabbi or master. And, and, um, there were some that felt more comfortable and many that he told that he could, they could call him. Um, and this is going to, we're going to go back in time here a little bit. We're going to digress and we're going to go back in time. When Jesus gave us permission to call him Yahweh, that was the first name of God that he gave us permission to call him. Because if you remember before that, they didn't know what to call God. Well, what do we call him? We don't see him. And 
he doesn't talk to well, he doesn't talk to you because you wouldn't listen anyway. And many times you proved even after declaring that you proved that you don't listen. So, pardon me, was I saying that out loud? I did, didn't I? And it's the same way today. But it was a permissive name that they gave Moses, that God gave Moses to tell the nation. And let's not get us all twisted up about that. See, that's not Moses's name that he gave to God, just like it's not Moses's law or the law of Moses. It was the law that God gave to Moses to deliver to the nation because Moses was God's postal carrier. He was his package guy. He was the UPS guy, FedEx guy, postman, whatever you want to call it, okay? Whatever analogy you want to put to it. But that's what he was. He carried the law that God gave to him. And many people get all caught up in this thing where, oh, Jesus never said on the law of Moses or Jesus. Yeah, he said it several times in the Bible, but he didn't say it exactly. I am the law of Moses. What they want to hang on this, the way he said it and come he did. And you, and I tell you this because John 1 tells us that he did. Think about it for a minute. Go back to John 1, flip through the pages, and read that. In the beginning was God. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then, of course, we're told, and it goes on to describe, and then it was made manifest and, and manifest flesh and came here and was crucified. And that the Word was God, the Word was in God, and God was in the Word, and back and forth. That, and it shows the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he is indeed one with God and together. And so if God says that I'm the law, Jesus said I'm the law. And when the law was given to Moses, who are these individuals to say that Jesus was not there because Jesus was with God all the time? All the time. Where do you think that the parabolic speech comes from? It comes from the time in the Old Testament when they were walking and sharing and teaching their prophets and they spoke parabolically. Jesus spoke in parables here and tried to teach the disciples and use the parables for disciples. But anyway, don't want to off track. Jesus, they called him, they used the honorific rabbi. And an honorific is a title that is bestowed in order to show honor. They honored Jesus in the fact that he was their teacher. He was their master of the word, master of the scriptures. So they called him rabbi. And when we were younger, we were taught, or at least used to be, kids nowadays, they don't, they wouldn't know an honorific if it came up and bit them like a snake. But an honorific is something that you used to say, and our parents used to teach us when we were younger, you, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. If you don't know them, they're an adult. They've lived life, they've gone through life, and they're trying to help you with something. Yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. It's an honorific that they have earned and should be bestowed, but there are children nowadays, they, they, they like to go, yeah, whatever. 
okay, dude. And everybody's a dude. Everyone is a dude. It's interesting where that speech come up and, and, and all this stuff that's going on. That this, uh, now, I'm sure I'm going to really kink up some knickers and people are going to get all twisted and have these big knots in their, in their knickers getting all twisted and offended by this. But all this transgenderism and all this stuff that's going on, the Bible talks against that. It speaks about it. It tells about it. And that they're violating and they're, they're teach and all these individuals that are out there and doing this thing to the children and attacking the children because that's what it is. It's a spiritual attack on our children. And that the children are the favorite of God. And one of the things that they want to do is, and if you've noticed with this, all this business going on, that there is a really heavy derision. Oh, where does that come from? The devil seeks to enter, break in, seeks to steal what he can get or what is let go to destroy, separate, cause derision, separation so that there is no unity and no communion and no gathering together. Interesting how this all takes place. But now it's no yes sir, no no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. It's all adults. How disrespectful and how rude. And they're not even to a point where they have developed enough to where they can even <laughs> righteously be called, be calling an adult that has been on the planet for 20 or 30 more years than they've even been in existence. And they call them dude. And they use that term for man and woman. They, there is no separation between. And and I noticed that this this uh, I noticed that the uh, word was starting to manifest itself in mammon real heavily. I, you see some things and you hear get teaching about it, but I started seeing this come around when they start talking about um, separation of men and women that there is no gender they separate and and now now of course they have women that are being attacked by men because the men are being allowed to go into women's bathroom because they say i'm a woman except that physiologically and physically they are not and wow what a what a what a mess we're in and Kids call adults dudes, man or woman, doesn't make any difference. And I've heard women and men calling each other, oh, hey, dude, how is it today? And they're talking to a woman. A dude used to be what they would call a guy in the Old West when he came in and he was all wearing a fancy set. Bat Masterson was, uh, they thought he was a dude until he showed what he was about. Wore a derby hat and a suit all the time. I was a gunfighter. Good at what he did. And he was made a marshal. And he was really good at it. But they used to make fun of him. They used to call him a dude all the time because he wore a derby. Wore a hat that you'd only see in a big city, not out west. But they learned quite readily that he was not just a dude. And it was... Um, and I mean, I heard I heard that term used when I was a younger man. Oh, what do you all do it up for? You know, you dress up and you're you don't look like a regular workman. You're all 
dressed up and ready to go out. And they would use that term for a man or a woman if they were all dressed up and, and the other term was all gussied up or duded up and going someplace special. But now honorifics aren't even really an honorific anymore. And you say, where is he going with this? What's he bringing that up for? Because there are Christians that I see today, here today, and they claim to be Christians. They have a problem with calling God, Abba, or Father, or Heavenly Father. They have, they have a, seems to be a problem. I could be mistaken, but I don't know. But the, the reactions and how they portray themselves when they're praying lends to my being truthful in what I'm saying. And in doing that, do you not understand that you're separating yourself from the very one that wants us to be his children and bring us in as close as we can be and wants us to be his children? He wants to have communion and unity by so by separating yourself and not bestowing now, granted, God is. This is why I call him Abba Yahweh. You've heard me say that and speak that. Abba, Emma, is a Hebrew word for father and mother. Um, and it means more than just father and mother. It's when they greet, oh, Emma, so glad to see you. Mom, I'm so happy to see you. Abba, Dad, I'm so happy to see you. When they, greet, when they greeted each other, it was a very familiar way to speak to the adult, especially if they were mothers and fathers. Do you not suppose that our Heavenly Father who has desired and the Bible tells us that he wants a personal relationship with us? Do you not think that God smiles when you call him Abba? Abba Yahweh, and I add that honorific to that because he is the maker of all things made, father maker of all things made, Abba Yahweh, father God, heavenly father. God likes it. I'm telling you he likes it because the Holy Spirit and I were talking about this and the spirit comes from God and the spirit tells me and I tell you and I tell you the truth, the truth, the knowledge and wisdom that comes from God. You wanna check it? Try my spirit. I invite you often to do so. And you have a choice, just like God gave us a choice. You either believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, believe on him, and come to him for salvation because of the grace and mercy of God gave us that opportunity. Not by anything that we do, not by anything we say, or our deeds does not earn our salvation. So you're claiming to be a Christian, and because you go to church every other Sunday, and you're not in the Bible, or occasionally pick up the Bible and read it, that does not guarantee your salvation. As far as I'm concerned, that just shows us curiosity. Have you ever gotten to the point and you declare that you believe that Jesus is his only begotten son? You declare that you want to have faith in Abba, Yahweh, your heavenly father, and you want the Holy Spirit to guide your steps? If you've not declared that, then your salvation is questioned. Find that offensive? That's unfortunate because the Bible tells us that's truth. I've shared this with you many, many, many times. 
I speak truth as it comes from the Bible and I speak truth as it's given to me through God and God endorses what I say. I don't have one of those little fancy rice paper things with the gold uh, filigree and all that stuff on there and signed by some big mucky muck here on this plane of existence, but mine comes from HSU. Doesn't need all that stuff because I know it's there and I know God endorses it. And I know that my guidance counselor, my Holy Spirit, endorses it. That my Lord Jesus, who came here thinking about me before he hung on that cross, so that I would be about our Father's business. So these things that individuals that mammon on this plane of existence do with honorifics or they don't do with honorifics. That's because their arrogance, arrogance of mammon has developed so much that they become very separate. And this is what, this is what it does. When you don't, when you don't pray to God and you don't, I mean, so many people be, think that he's this being that's, Massive in size and character, and he sits up on the throne and the way the Bible describes him sometimes. And so, <laughs> pardon my little chuckle there, but I can't help it. If any of you have ever seen The Wizard of Oz, very interesting um, story that was written by Baum in a very fanciful story and I remember seeing it the first time I saw it when I was a kid black and white and the first time I saw it in color oh my goodness so it starts out in black and white because Dorothy's in Kansas and she's down there and the tornado grabs the house and off she goes whole house her and Toto they not in Kansas anymore and when the house lands in the land of Oz all of a sudden it's all in color Oh my gosh, the first time I saw that happen, I was so amazed. But I bring that up because so many Christians today that I see, even, even in my church, even my church that I go, sorry, Father, even in my Father's house that I go to and attend, I see individuals that are acting that very same way. The cowardly lion. So in The Wizard of Oz, there was a character and they called him the Cowardly Lion and they encountered him in the woods and he was so gruff and so rough and he came out and he talked a rough and um, of course scared Dorothy's little dog and she got upset when she went over and he came and she picked up her dog and then when he came up and, and she gave him a smack on the snout. Well, then the lion started crying and weeping and and wringing his hand and grabbing his tail and wringing it and wringing it and wringing it and just weeping. And she declared that he was nothing but a big coward and he admitted that yes, he was. But I'm, I'm saying that because bullies today in this very day and age as we are, bullies are really cowards. And you notice that bullies come, they have to have an entourage. They can't really do anything on their own, or when they do, they try to make themselves to be something that they're not. And I'm just wondering if those individuals that don't want to 
use the honorifics that they should be using are just... I'm not sure what the whole thing is that's going on in there and that dynamic. It's not for me to do that. But I'm just pointing out that this is done and taking place. And Christians within the body of Christ do the same thing. They... Uh, they come and they have this picture of God. I'm going to share. I'm going to share something that God told me it's okay to do. Holy Spirit said it's okay. <laughs> so, some of you may or may not know or remember that I've shared that I ride a motorcycle. I have a Harley Davidson Ultra Classic. It's got the, all the doodads and everything on it, and um, I rode across this United States. Solo, but I wasn't solo. And I had a dream one night. And I had this picture. God was riding with me. <laughs> His spirit came down and he was with me. And the back seat or behind me is a really nice, it's a trunk and it's got a nice padding and armrests and, and a radio. And I had my uh, I had my Christian radio station that was on there and, and it would follow and, and stayed with me almost all the way across. And this picture that I got of, of God, you want to really, <laughs> and I don't find it disrespectful at all because he really enjoyed it and he also kept me warm, but riding and God is back there on the back of that. And in the cold days, he would put his arms around me and keep me warm, but he was sitting back and he had a smile on his face and the wind coming and his beard was parted. And sometimes if you see riders and they're out there, you'll see their beard will part in the middle and, you know, their hair is flowing back. And here's my Lord, my God, riding with me because, quite honestly, he gifted that motorcycle to me. And um, and I firmly believe that because of the situation, the way it came about. But anyway, God is riding with me. And But there are many, many that are in the body of Christ that, that won't allow, and they they want to declare, they decide that they're the ones that are in charge and they're declaring that what I share is blasphemous. Well, wait a minute. Are you practicing Phariseeism? You're practicing to be just like the Pharisees and you think that your authority is much higher than the divine Lord God Almighty, my Abba Yahweh, who thinks it's okay for me to picture him that way because he wants a personal relationship with me and I allow that to happen within me and I want that to happen with him because he said in the Bible and he declares that and Paul has written about it in many, many times that God desires that. But yet there are those out there that have decided that they're not going to do that because oh that's blasphemous. You you oh my God that's that's God. You can't you can't be like that with God. And who says so? The Bible says the opposite. The Bible says that He wants to. The Bible says knock and He will open the door and you come come in and sup with Him. Remember I shared that with you. When you sit down to sup, that doesn't mean you can supper is supping is not that word. Supping is the action that we're taking at the table and where we're dining with the Lord God Almighty who wants our company at the table. And when we grew up and we had supper, that's got nothing to do really with the the food preparation. It has to do with the time of day and that the end of the day is done or whatever was done or whatever had to be accomplished during that day is now finished and you're sitting down to sup, to have company, to visit with the family, 
mothers and fathers and children are sitting down to have that end of the day when the kids are now out of school and you're all coming to the table. And it used to be a time of day when that was an important time. When the family gathered, they came back together. Nowadays, who cares? Nowadays, they have that little electronic device whose functionality is not just for the tools that it was originally intended for, but the prince of the air has control and it causes separation and derision. You say, who am I talking about? I'm talking about one of the other pseudonyms that is given to Satan called the prince of the air. Why was he called that? Because he used to be the worship leader before he got kicked out and Jesus saw him fall as lightning from heaven. And he could make music with no instruments. He manipulated the air, he manipulated a lot of things, and he manipulates, that's what, that's what the devil is. Jesus points that out, the word points that out, the Holy Spirit talks about this, as he is a manipulator. He can manipulate your thoughts, yes he can. He can make you see things about him that are not true. Why? Because he's a liar. He's a deceiver. And this is what Jesus said. You don't, you don't recognize the truth as the truth stands before you. And you claim to know the Father, but you don't know the Father. And you don't know the scriptures. Oh, they didn't. Jesus spoke truth and they didn't like truth. They preferred the lies. And when he told them that you don't know the truth because you don't speak the truth, you speak the language of your father, and then came right out and told him, said, your father's the devil. And they tried to accuse Jesus of being from the devil and how he would call on the devil to cast out demons. Jesus pointed out to him that would be kind of ridiculous. That's like a house unto itself. It's divided. It cannot stand. How would I call on Satan to come and snatch up his demons and take them out of what he put them to do? That's ridiculous. It's not logical. See, the Pharisees, they didn't get logic. They didn't like it. Why? Because it was truth, first of all. And it came from Jesus who was speaking the truth and the Son of God, God incarnate in this plane of existence, which is what he is. And they didn't like that. Why didn't they like it? Because they decided that it was their position to have more authority and more knowledge and be in the scriptures more than Jesus. But they couldn't because he, Jesus is the word. How are you going to debate the word with the word? You can't. That's what they call empirical evidence. Remember, I ever shared that word with you? Empirical evidence is evidence that cannot possibly be denied. There is no arguing against it because it is so truthful and so factual. How are you going to argue against that? How are you going to argue against the word that is there? But they didn't want to, they didn't want to hear that. It's just like the honorifics that I'm, I was sharing with you is that honorifics are given for a purpose. And then you have all these individuals here that decide that they, they're going to change things around. And you have this is why I call them the uh, theological wizards. And I call them that because they declare themselves their doctorate and they want to remind everyone that they talk to that they have that. So it's as if they're selling them. You call me Dr. So-and-so because that's what I am. I got this little certificate signed by Mammon that says that I went to school for so long. And I said, well, hear me in this, okay? This is not to degrade anyone for having done that time. I mean, I mean it's... It's a good thing. It's a great thing that they wanted to do that thing and, and get to the word and share the word and they wanted to study the word and, and learn as much as they could. There are many that are that way. 
I'm going to share this with you. I find that my pastor and his wife are very much that way. They wanted to be in the word as deeply as they could be. And then during that course of uh, existence, they learned some other things like Latin and Greek and some other stuff. But see, I'm God, the Holy Spirit's taking me through this and, and my guidance counselor and all this stuff. And, and uh, he's teaching me and I, I like it. He teaches my classes, some of them. And then he gives me mentors. But the point that I'm making is they don't harp on the fact that they both have a doctorate. Oh my goodness gracious. And the honorific is bestowed to them with some of the elders of the churches when they introduce him. They introduce him as doctor. And I mean, that's, that's huge and powerful. However, when he sees me and he hugs me like I am a member of the family, and it's not as if I need to fall on my knees and touch his shoes with my forehead and kiss his, his shoes and, and fawn all over him. He doesn't, he doesn't present that and he doesn't expect that. He doesn't desire that. He's a humble man, his wife, and together what they do is they show out what they have within. It's an awesome thing to see. However, on the flip side of the coin, we have individuals that demand that the honorific of doctor be used. They remind people in conversation, you know, when if you slip up and you call them by their first and last name together, because for me, it's a, if I'm unfamiliar with them and I don't know them personally, and uh, I'll either call them Mr you know, by their last name or whatever. See, because my parents taught us stuff. And um, and then here comes that spewage out of the mouth. Oh, it's Dr. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, sorry about that. And then, of course, I will give it to them. I will use the honorific. But then what I do is I tend to distance myself from the conversation because what I have found in overhearing and listening to the conversation, it's all about everything that they have obtained or everything that they have done and how they, 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 very pharisaical. And they practice pharisaism really a lot. And I don't want to be around that. So what do I do? I pray for my strength and their strength and that they would maybe get over themselves. Because see, Jesus didn't condemn the Pharisees. He just told them, he just told them truth. And you remember what the last thing was before Jesus left? He didn't hang on the cross and holler down at them and he didn't spit back at them and he didn't call down a curse from them. And uh, I've shared with you these other arrogant individuals, the, the one, oh man, I can't even believe, now I, I get caught up in that and I get wrapped because this individual being televised called a curse from God, our heavenly father, Abba Yahweh. He cursed any man or woman that speaks against his ministry. And he declared that, that speak against my ministry. I called down a curse from God on them. Wow. But see, Jesus hanging on the cross before he said, it is finished. Because the chore that he was performing, the things that he was doing, he finished. Before he declared, it is finished, 
He looked down at the Pharisees who were throwing stones and spitting at him and had thrown things at him and and uh, had their little temple guards go out and grab him. He looked down at them and then he looked at heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Whoosh. That's powerful. Let me tell you that example. Let me ask any one of you out there, how easy do you think it is if your neighbor came roaring up your cul-de-sac or whatever and your car was parked in front of the house and not in your driveway and your and your neighbor came and just headlong into it, wasn't paying attention, just smashed right into the whole side of your car. Didn't total it, but it was going to be a bunch. And then got out of the car and was laughing, didn't even come and knock on the door and say sorry, but then you see him standing out in front and they're they're kind of chiding back and forth and then they get on the phone and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Everybody okay? And then to them, it's a big shrug off and, and didn't even really apologize. Are you going to, and then maybe they, um, before they get ready to go in their own house, they say something like, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't paying attention. I was distracted. Are you going to say to them, I'm just glad you're okay. It's forgiven. I usually park in the driveway. I forgive you. And you're going to be that. Or are you going to be up and jumping up and down like so many do and they, they've got this tirade and, and um, you know, they're jumping so high that their knees are bent and their knees are almost at their shoulder and then they come back pounding on the ground, their arms are waving up and down, you're cackling and, and screaming, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to get you, you're going to make sure to pay for this and blah, 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 and there you go. How are you going to handle that? It's not a very easy thing to be forgiving of somebody and have a forgiving spirit. I will tell you that it's a rather difficult thing to do, and I've been almost plowed into, and I had I had these two sisters almost ran flat over me. I, I mean, I was right there with the motorcycle and I have a really loud horn, which isn't the little me, me porn. I, I replaced that. But I did that because these individuals being how they are when they drive their vehicle and the motorcycle doesn't look like their vehicle. So they tend to be careless. But then she rolls down the window and is making it as if it was my fault. And I just asked her, I said, didn't you see me? I, Ma'am, I was right here. And then she just shrugs her shoulder and makes the illegal turn that she was starting to do anyway and then finishes it and goes in to get her parking place and and I got to let that go. So the first thing I start doing is I pray in the Holy Spirit to forgive whatever was in my heart and that I shouldn't have even probably talked to her. And, and go. She didn't knock me down. I didn't get hurt, but it was very foolish and not paying attention. What was she doing? She was operating that little thing that the prince of the air puts here for derisiveness and talking to her sister. And you say, well, how can I say that this is his advice? Well, here's the thing. If we're using it as a tool, and I mean, there are th- it can be used for good. I mean, I get to share God's word and get out to a whole lot of people. And he likes to try to manipulate and do the things to get it 
to malfunction and, and so forth and so on. But thing of it is that it can be used, and if it's used for the tool that it was meant to be used for, it's a good thing. But I'll share this with you further, is that I know that it's not being used that way because in this platform supposedly called social media, that people belittle, degrade, curse people, and I'm seeing more and more and more. And I, I don't understand because these uh, this supposedly tyrannical individual that has this uh, one of the platforms, I'll put it right out there, uh, that utilizes it doesn't, is not really, uh, it's practicing hypocrisy in a very powerful way because there are websites when they use this mailing and then they shroud this photograph of, of absolute pornographic coupling, but it's as if you're looking through a, um, supposedly a frosted window or a curtain but the thing of it is that you can you can still see this and they put it on the open platform it's not something you need a password for or anything it's there it's visible and it can be seen plainly oh my gosh are you kidding and that's supposed to be something that's not allowed but if you share certain things that don't match their mental picture or what's going on in their head, then you either get banned or you have individuals uh, that are supposedly independent fact checkers uh, that deny it or or they don't allow it. But these things are there and it's open. So you have that going on. You have the open belittling. You have what they call trolling and they have phishing, P-H-I-S-I-N-G. And they put these things on there with uh, fake deliveries and messages. And as soon as you tag on or tap onto the link that they provide, all of a sudden you're taken in this crazy way and you're going to this. The next thing you know is everything in your system is destroyed. You have a virus that's on there. You can't even use your phone. You have to go and you buy another one. And the darn things cost $1,000 a piece now. I think the fir very first cellular telephone I ever purchased was, I think it was, two, no, it was $175. The very first cellular telephone I ever purchased was $175. Now, oh my goodness gracious, you can't, you can't touch a cellular telephone for that. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked by that. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that this thing is manipulated and used, as is any gift of God. It can be manipulated and turned dark and perverted. This is why I use that term perversion. Um, and I call those individuals that um, are teaching untruths and false doctrines and lies, like that one pastor was parading up on down the stage, and then he'd jump behind his dais and declare that, the Bible is being taught incorrectly and we've made a mistake and, and we need to do this because God is full of condemnation, except the only thing of it is that God is not full of condemnation. The devil is full of condemnation. And as Romans said, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who love the Lord. And if you're showing that you love God and you're practicing what God does and he is your heavenly father, and you utilize the honorifics that he would like you to use because he loves you and he wants you into that personal relationship. So you call him Abba. Abba. Abba Yahweh. 
my Father, maker of all things made, that is who you are. And just like that song, Waymaker, promise keeper, that is who you are. That is what he is. That is what he does. And all the things that God provides and does for us, that's because it's his character. Not because it's the right thing to do or not because it's a good thing to do. It's because that's what he is and who he is. So our prayer of thanks to him should be because of his presence. And I'm not talking about his presence as what he bestows, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, not because he gives us things, but because of his presence, because of his being with us, his manifestation with us, that he walks with us, he talks with us, and he keeps us, and he keeps us close because he's our Abba Yahweh. He is our good heavenly father, and he desires that personal relationship with us. And he's declared that in the word. He's declared that. So I'm going to share some things that we were kicking around um, in our life group, prayer group. Kind of has a thing to do with that, honorifics. But, you know, here's the thing, too. Book of Revelation, nobody, there are, there are those that declare themselves to be Christian, self-called self and self-titled and label heads, but they don't read the book of Revelation because they say it's all it's all new, doom and gloom. And, and, and I declare again, and I will say again, how are you going to call the manifestation of Jesus Christ to John, the apostle, the beloved apostle, as some call him, but that he was wanting to be so much like Jesus and follow Jesus, and that Jesus visited him on the island of Patmos. And in some Bible translations, it is called the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ underneath the main title. See, my Bible says the revelation of St. John the Divine. And that's what they used to call him. John the Divine, John the Beloved, the Beloved Apostle. But... In some Bibles, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. And in my Bible, I'm just looking at this, my father's study Bible, I love this. It's falling apart. I got pages of tearing and everything, but I love this because my father loved the word and he loved God. He loves God. I mean, he's there now. But here in the sidebar, it says in the book of Revelation, and, and I'm up here before it changes, it goes over to chapter two, it says, Christ's message to the seven churches. And John writes these seven churches, and this is in the first several chapters of the book of Revelation, and it's talking about the seven angels of the churches, and I've shared that with you before, that pastors or the leaders of the church of that particular house of God were called several things. They were either called prophets, they were called shepherds, they were called pastors, they were also called elders, but in some in the old world here, they were also called angels. And when our Lord, Ashua, tells John to write these letters to the angels of the churches, the seven churches, they're angels. So, I think it's important that we get into the book of Revelation. And for those of you that want to declare doom and gloom, I guess you're not going to want to listen to these because I'm going to share them anyway. So we're going to start in the book of Revelation, chapter one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God 
gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Okay, let's declare that right there. So, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ to John on the island of Patmos. So it's not, it didn't say the revelation of doom and gloom that is going to come and be, be bestowed upon the wor world which is given by God, by his mighty hand. It doesn't say that. <laughs> so nowhere in the Bible does it talk about doom and gloom. What it does, it tells the truth. And then you have individuals that don't get it and they get afraid of things. So in their fear, rather than talking to God about it and having God through the Holy Spirit dispel their fear, they start calling things doom and gloom. And there's certain parts of the Bible that they won't read because they don't want to hear the doom and gloom. I would imagine that in Matthew 24, they probably read the book of Matthew. And then when they get to uh, chapter 23 or 22 or wherever it is that Jesus starts talking about all these things that are spoken of in the book of Revelation, incidentally, if you read 24, you'll see that Jesus talks about it first. Then he turns around and he repeats it to John while on the island of Patmos. What's doom and gloom about it? Jesus is telling you, hey, I'm coming back and this stuff is gonna happen before I come back. And unfortunately, because the plane of existence that you are on right now is so fallen and so broken and that mammon has decided to do all these things that this is the way it's gonna happen. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown? When Jesus went back to Nazareth and tried to do things there? And it wasn't because he he could have called 10,000 angels down there. He could have flattened the village of Nazareth out there and made everybody do it, but that wasn't the thing. See, God gave us a free will choice. They chose not to have faith in Jesus. They chose not to believe it. What did they want to do? Hey, we know who you are. We know your family. We know your brothers and sisters. We know that you're the son of that carpenter. So by what authority are you coming in here and telling us anything? And there are individuals on this plate of existence today that declare that same thing. You have those individuals like the pervert up there on the stage parading back and forth telling God that he was wrong and that he's, the Bible is wrong and that we need to rewrite the Bible and he's going to work on rewriting it. You have individuals in another religious order that has decided that he wants to rewrite the Bible because in their religion that the individual is holding that position as God incarnate on earth. Whoa, Nelly. That's a pretty powerful thing and then Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And that's not saying that everyone that is in that religion practices what how that is, but they go because that's the way they were raised and they're trying to honor their family and their parents and so forth and so on. Um, however, when you have, and this is why religion is so, down is because, and Jesus actually downplayed that because they want to compartmentalize God. They don't want to honor him. And they rarely use the honorific as it's intended, our heavenly father. You will rarely ever hear them do that. And their pronouncement is different. But what Jesus pointed out is that the religions tend to let God out of this little ornate card box that they keep him in on special occasions. So when it suits their need or their purpose, then they open that up and then, then they want to talk about God. Brothers and sisters, God is not compartmentalized and should not be. God is spirit. And just like he told the woman at the well, 
The Samaritan woman, when he announced her to, to try to show her that he knew of her and that he was who he said he was, is, pardon me, that he is the Messiah. He was the Messiah then, but he's now our living king. And so he told her that and he did those things and showed her and then declared to her that he would not condemn her, that he loves her. And then she got elated with all that she felt in her heart because he explained to her that there is coming a time very soon when you'll be able to worship God anywhere you want because she, she wanted to worship God. She did. She just was getting in her own way. But she would be able to worship God wherever she was able to do so in their temple. They didn't have to go to a special temple in order that the word would be delivered to God. And this is what they were teaching at the time, the pharisaical attitude that they had, that the Samaritans couldn't come to Jerusalem because they were, they were dirty and unclean because the Pharisees or the, the elders of the temple decided that they couldn't come there because they were unclean partially because of what had happened and what was done and, and they were outcasts, but the Jewish people decided that they were not going to have anything to do with it. But they were related for crying out loud. And where was she drawing water from? She was drawing water from Jacob's well. Yes, the Samaritans and the Jewish people were related but they were not allowed to come to the temple and worship God in Jerusalem because they were declared unclean and there was animosity, enmity between the two. But God declared to her that he would not hold that to her and that she would be able to worship God wherever, however, because God was in spirit and soon, and what he was talking about is a rending of that tapestry, that separation that mammon placed before themselves and God. And by not bestowing the honorifics, as I say, which is the point to this lesson, hear what I say. The rending of that tapestry when Jesus was crucified and that tapestry was rent from top to bottom and split open, there's no more separation from the Holy of Holies where only the chief priests could go into the Holy of Holies and get whatever God said. And then he could come out and what was he? It wasn't guaranteed that he was going to deliver it the way that God intended to be said. This is why God admonished Moses. He said, I'm going to send Aaron with you. All you have to do, Moses, carry that stick and do what I tell you to do. And Aaron will come deliver all the words and, and do all the eloquent speaking things because I know that you have a cleft palate. I know that you have a crooked foot. I know all these things. But here's what's going to happen. You carry the stick. Aaron's going to do that. But when I tell you, to deliver the word to the people and say it just like I say it. It would behoove you that you do it exactly the way I tell you because if he doesn't, just like when Moses went out and God told Moses to touch the stone and as he had been doing all along the time, been whacking the rock so that they could get water out, he was so sick and tired of hearing the nation whine and cry that he went out and God told him, he said, touch the stone. What did Moses do? He was so agitated that he overruled within himself the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, who declared that name to him permissively, Yahweh. And he went out and he smote the stone. He took that staff and he whacked it. He was told to touch it. 
and he did not. He took it out there and he whacked it. And what did that cause? That, that didn't set well with Lord God Almighty. And our Heavenly Father spanked him and told him, Moses, you will not enter, you will not set foot when my nation goes into the promised land. When they enter Canaan, you will not cross the river. You can't go because you didn't obey what I told you. I told you to touch a stone and you went out and whacked it. And it wasn't just that, that act. You have to understand, he overrid God's sovereignty. Just like those who won't forgive, as the Bible tells us to forgive us, as the Lord, forgive others as the Lord forgave us. Who are you and what authority do you have to not do so? And when you don't do so, what you are telling God, our Heavenly Father, is that your sovereignty outweighs his and he is not as great. And you decide that you're not gonna forgive somebody. So now you're in the seat of judgment and you have decided that God is not so sovereign after all because your decision. Well, you better be careful in doing that. It could lead to problems indeed. Further, book of Revelation, chapter one, verse two, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. I'm gonna go in here for the translation word. And the testimony of Jesus, Savior, Christ, anointed of God, and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written herein, for the time is at hand. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Remember this, that we are heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. We are called to be about God's business. We are called for this purpose to share his word. And there are many that say, oh gosh, I don't, I don't have a theological degree. I haven't been to school for this. I let me tell you, let me share this with you again. I'm going to Shared as often as it takes. I don't have a degree from Mammon, but my degree comes from HSU, Heaven Sent University. My chancellor is the Lord God Almighty. My vice chancellor is Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. And my guidance counselor is the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna tell you here and now, I perceive and I believe, but I'm not gonna vaunt myself above anyone else because it's not my place. The truth that I share with you is God's word. The truth, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom that he imparts to me and blesses me by giving me the opportunity to do this, to do this very thing that I'm doing. But I perceive and I believe that my authority is higher than that little 
nice crinkly piece of paper that's made out of rice paper and has a gold filigree and all that stuff that you can put in a, in a little frame and stick it on the wall behind your desk, in your den. See, I don't have one of those. But where my degree comes from and my authority and my, it comes from this thing called the Holy Bible. And I don't pin it up on the wall behind my desk. I get to carry it around with me. I carry this and I carry the word of God with me. And I may not speak Latin, although I know some, and I may not speak Greek, although I know some, or Aramaic, but I know some words. And I don't have all this linguistics training that all these earthly schools gave, but what I do know comes from heaven. And my guidance counselors, whew, I like my guidance counselor. We were talking this morning. This is where all this came from. I get to share this truth, knowledge, and wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. Further reading. Verse seven, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Every eye, that means that everyone on this earth, when the heaven splits and Jesus comes back, the king of kings, everyone is going to be able to see this take place. Well, how's that supposed to happen? Well, quit trying to figure it out because it's not for you. Knowledge and wisdom of the Lord God Almighty. Some things are a mystery. They also, which pierced him, and all kindred of each shall be because of him, even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience, of Jesus Christ and in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sidus and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, clothed with a garment down to the floor and girt about the pops with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto the brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is a sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars and out of, his, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And have the keys of hell and of death Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest is my right hand, in my right hand, 
and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So Jesus is telling John in this vision that he's giving him and that he saw the stars are the pastors or the leaders of the churches and the candlesticks are the churches. And at that time, while John was on the island of Patmos, those seven churches were the main focus and that you have to understand that in that time. So brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out and my coming in.